0: Welcome, ladies and gents, to your buddy John's show. Well, it's May now. They say April showers brings May flowers. I hope something good is brought in May. April, well, March and April wasn't so good, was it? I think we'll remember those two months for a long time, probably the rest of our lives. But I'm hoping the rest of this year becomes much, much better. I'm certainly hoping so. Uh, I think they're easing things up here a little bit in California soon. I think the governor said this Friday they will allow some uh, businesses to reopen. Whew, let's hope there's no crazy uh, relapse from that. And let's hope that this is uh, under control once and for all. Well, my next guest was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. She uh, developed an appreciation of music at an early age and was influenced by jazz singers Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, and Billie Holiday. She has worked with Duke Ellington, Sammy Davis Jr., Eddie Murphy, and Jerry Lewis from the movies. Yes, indeed. In 2009, she appeared on American Idol, performing her most iconic song, Band of Gold. I'm sure you heard that. It was a smash hit in the 70s. She was also nominated for two Grammy Awards in the 70s as well. She's got Broadway credits galore. She's got a lot to talk about. I'm really happy to have her on the show. Please welcome, without any further ado, Miss Frida Payne. Welcome, Miss Frida Payne. Wow, am I uh, thrilled to have you on my show. I, I thank you so much for coming on the show, Frida
1: well wow, thank you for inviting me
0: listen I yeah before we get started in your um, illustrious career here I was looking over all your credits and uh things that you've done and I'm kind of a uh, productivity freak myself like I, I read a lot of books and how to uh, you know do the most things you can during the day and whatnot and and just with your life and I'm looking over your resume and you are not a person that has rested on their laurels you have done it an amazing amount of stuff. Is it, uh, do you have any secrets for our listeners as to your, uh, your productivity, uh, routine?
1: Well, there's no, it's no secret. You know what it is? It's longevity. That's the secret is longevity and, uh, things happen. You know, you just, years go by, or let's say within a year, you, you, you know, you have products that you want to work on. You have an agent, uh you go and work with you you know you work with a lot of different people yeah uh, you do recordings i've done reco- i've done recordings when i say recordings i've done albums um commercially released and i've done a little- lo- some a little bit of acting as well and I even hosted my own uh, talk show yeah I saw uh, that. back in nineteen eighty eighty one and eighty two which was in New York at the time it was called today's Black Woman. And I did that, and um, and it was uh, a- it was ABC syndicated. Nice. And for a while, I did that. But at the time, back then, uh, I didn't I didn't fancy myself or see myself as a Barbara Walters. And this was just prior to the um, the introduction of the o- Oprah Winfrey, who came in and. Ah. Just, Took over everything, you know. But sure. I was just—I was more interested in just being a singer and performing and traveling all over the world.
0: I see that you were born in Detroit, Michigan, and you attended a very um, prestigious—I uh, guess you'd call it like an art school or you know a music school when you well,
1: were. Yeah, well, that was when I was very young. When yeah. my mother told me, uh, my first my first piano lessons were at the Detroit Conservatory of Musical Arts. Wow and uh i was I, I think i was i know it was very like about 6 cuz i remember my feet couldn't touch the the pedals <laughs> and uh, and so my first recital was a duet like a duet rec- you know two pianos me and the, another little girl on on another, on another baby grand piano and we um uh whatever i don't i don't remember the piece we played but that was my first piano recital.
0: Were your parents um, uh, into music as well? Did they did they encourage you, uh, or did they? No,
1: they they weren't musicians or artists. My mother was a city uh, city clerk for the uh, city of Detroit. Um, my dad, or oh, my mother divorced my my fa- my uh, you know paternal father when I was three and a half. So oh wow! Literally, literally, uh, my stepfather she remarried when I was six. So uh, and he uh, he became a deputy sheriff of Wayne County, you know, policeman. Yeah. And then he quit that job when uh, both he and my mother purchased a bar Mm. on on 12th Street in Detroit. And now, of course, 12th Street is now called Rosa Parks Boulevard. (laughs) Oh Wow. (laughs) But anyway, that's that's the story there. Nice. Uh-huh.
0: So you take piano lessons. You blossom into a um, uh, interest in music. When did you start developing this uh, lovely voice of yours? Which, by the way, is I've seen some video of you recently, and your voice just sounds as strong as ever. It's it's amazing.
1: Oh, thank you. Because I'm still, seeing. matter of fact, now that we're we're kind of like bunkered down, yeah, and not doing much. You know, like I I had several jobs canceled. And like most people are saying, oh, it's just been postponed. No, it's been canceled. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I've had a few of those myself. I know exactly
1: what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it's just been postponed. Oh, yes. well, my darling, it's been canceled. canceled yeah. I mean, it, it, it may happen again later on in the year, but, you know, for now it's been canceled until, yeah. let's say, several months later, if that. And, uh, so I gotta, I gotta remind myself to sing now, you know, like around the house or,
2: yeah, or yeah. I have
1: some, I have recorded vocal, vocalises, lessons that I can play to vocalize, but sometimes I can just, sometimes you've got to, you know, keep that, let's say, keep the instrument warmed up.
0: Yes. Yes. No, that's good. Um, so your uh, career started blossoming, uh, after you're doing radio commercial jingles, I see. And, um, what brought you to the attention of, you know, music business heavyweights like uh Barry Gordy Jr. and um other people that uh, found out about you? How did they find out about you?
1: Okay, with Barry, that goes way. That's kind of like my earliest uh recollection of anybody getting it really becoming interested in me professionally. And sure. Sport. I was 13, 14 years old and see by that what happened was uh, at the age of 13, there was a TV show. It, it was uh, came on every Saturday on Channel 4. Is that WXYZ or WJBK? Anyway, it came on a network. It was Channel 4, and it came on every Saturday afternoon. It was called Ed McKenzie's Dance Hour. Wow. And Ed McKenzie was let's say the Michigan version of uh, the the national Dick Clark American bandstand. Oh okay? yeah,
0: sure, sure.
1: So it was the same format. The only difference is that uh, they featured, there, there was a section in the show that featured a 15 minute talent contest and it just consisted of four acts and, uh, so they had, you know, teenagers dancing to the latest pop tunes, Yeah, and uh, and then they would feature a guest artist, and that artist would be whoever was headlining nightclubs, supper clubs in the city. Sure. And there would be that. There's this club called the Elmwood Casino, which was located right across the river in Windsor, Windsor, Canada. And then you'd have like a Sammy Davis Jr. or you'd have um, like a Della Reese or. The Four Freshmen, Don Cherry, uh, whoever, you know, Chubby Checker, whoever was at that time, you know, the uh, headlining a a club or or somewhere in Detroit. So I was I was I auditioned to be a contestant on this show and and I was 13 and I won. Wow. I won. I, I won the talent contest. And the prize was I had a trophy and a record player. Isn't that funny? <laughs> and and nice. I remember the first time I was on, I was 13, and Sammy Davis was the guest, was the uh, star guest that particular day. And um, that was one thing. And then I, six months later, they called me back to do it again. By this time, I was 14. And uh, I won again. Well, because of that, and then I'd been singing like sort of locally around Detroit, just, you know, just uh, social events. Yeah. And he heard, I guess he became aware of me, Barry, Barry Gordy Jr. became aware of me and heard about me, you know, this young teenager who's singing. He's
0: got the pipes, yeah. Uh, he
1: was oppressed, and so he started writing songs. He wrote three, three or four songs for me. We went into the studio. There was no Motown. This predates Motown. Wow, and the recording studio we went into was the one that everybody recorded at. Even I did my my radio jingles at, at this studio. It was, it was called United Sound, and it was on located on West Grand Boulevard. As a matter of fact, it's located right almost in the same block or so where uh, the the Hitsville was, uh, you know, started. So that and, was uh, that was
0: like a regular because I've toured uh, Motown Museum before and it was um, it was like a neighborhood like houses you know
1: it's a house it was just a house yeah yeah just a regular house yeah and they just re-gutted it, it no gutted it and and uh, did what they had to do to make it um,
0: soundproof uh, and uh, yeah.
1: to a recor- yeah a recording studio inside nice and uh, that's what happened. So after he recorded these songs we wanted he took me in the studio, we recorded the songs and then he took he went to New York uh, with the masters and and came back and he said he wanted to manage me. And uh that's what happened. He didn't manage me because he and my mother couldn't come to terms on uh, on uh management details, you know, she wouldn't give in to him and he wouldn't give in to her. Sure. Went on to do more things. I auditioned for Duke Ellington when I was 17. Got to sing with his big band.
0: Wow. Was he yeah. uh, was he a nice man to work for?
1: Well, I didn't, you know, we. I only got to sing with the band a couple of times. Oh, okay. Uh, he did, he wanted me to sign, he wanted to sign me up for 10 years.
0: Oh my gosh. 10 years. And, and you're like 16 at that time, or... or... 17. 17. He 17.
1: Went, wow. Well, get this. We had a neighbor who was my parents. Uh, he was a very close friend to my parents. And he was an attorney uh, in Detroit. As a matter of fact, a kind of a well-known uh, established attorney at, at that. So he read the contract, and my mother read the contract, and they both decided, well, we need to change some, just change some things. That's what contracts are written for. So yeah. Then, both sides can neg- you know can make adjustments it's what you negotiate and uh to make it legitimate and he didn't want to really he wasn't interested in changing much Hmm. I mean, it was almost like dairy—the same thing. They right, were very, right. very similar. Very <laughs> similar.
0: <laughs> right, right. Okay, so after that, I read that you moved to New York at uh, what you're like seventeen or eighteen years old. Was your... I
1: went to New York when I was eighteen.
0: Now, did your mom uh, have any issues with that, or worried about you, or?
1: Well, that was—I guess she probably was worried, but you know, I went, uh, I stayed at the YWCA in Manhattan.
0: I'm very impressed by that because uh, when I was 18 years old, moving to New York City would just have been terrifying for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, oh no, no. But let me tell you, it was like, as they say, you know, like I guess I I ran into a lot of nefarious
2: characters, kind
1: of shady people as well. Yeah. Um, And I guess my mother figured I'd had enough, uh, had a good upbringing that I would know better. And, uh, if I had to go back and do it again, I think my mother should have been with me if the first she should have stayed yeah. with me the first year. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I know, I know. But it was uh, you know, it was different interesting. Matter of fact, Alvin the Alvin Ailey Dance Troupe was uh, was uh, located inside of of the uh, YWCA at the time. Oh nice. And on the second floor and I used to take I used to go and take lessons. I used to take, they had a dance class there uh, that was uh, conducted by James Truett. James Truett was Alvin Ailey's uh, assistant, dance partner, assistant. And I used to go and take the dance lessons, modern dance classes there. By the way, I got my first, I landed my first record deal with a major company, ABC Paramount, when I was 19.
0: So you'd only been in New York about a year and you land a about
1: a year. I've been in New York about a year.
0: Did you have to uh yeah. work a like a waitress job or anything like that? Or how, or did your mom I never
1: worked I never had a regular job ever. Wow. My parents sent me money.
0: Wow. My parents
1: and it was Western Union that I remember my mother I would say, Mom, I need two hundred dollars. I'm short. <laughs> You know, and then my mother would send me two hundred and if I'd asked my dad that I need a um, hundred bucks, um, an extra hundred bucks he would send me a hundred and twenty five. He always gave me more. <laughs> but she always gave me exactly what I asked
0: for. That's funny. Well, you know what? It was probably uh cheaper that doing that than you going to like a four year college. I mean, this was a and you just went straight for the entertainment jugular vein and got right hooked up. Can
1: I tell you, can I tell you, you, you mentioned going to a four-year college. Yeah. I wish, I wish, I kind of like in the in another world, if I could go back, I wish I'd gone to Juilliard.
0: Yeah, yeah, just to get that. Uh, I wish
1: I'd gone to, and I, in a way, I, I had, I could have had the opportunity because I had, I knew the right people the right people knew me, and that would have been Duke Ellington's son, Mercer Ellington, who was on the board at Juilliard, and he could have gotten me in.
0: Could have gotten you in, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But I think I was I think I, I got chicken. I got uh, cold seat.
0: Okay, so how did you? How did this uh, "Band of Gold" song get to you? I'm, I'm fascinated by how. I'm always fascinated by how a hit song becomes a hit song.
1: Well, the band, well, you know, I was signed to Invictus Records.
0: This was after uh, the ABC this, Paramount?
1: Oh, yeah. This was a few years after that. Okay. ABC Paramount, that would have been around, whoa, let me, 63, 1963. Oh, okay. I then, my next record deal came in 66, 1966, and that was on MGM Records. That was MGM Records, and I was, at that time, uh, I was being managed by a guy by the name of Clarence Avant. Um, by the way, I, I mentioned, I say that because on Netflix, there's a documentary about him. It's called The Black Godfather.
0: Oh, I've been wanting to see that. Wow, i got to watch it yeah. now. Yeah.
1: Well, he was my manager. He didn't it didn't last long. Yeah, but he got me a deal with ABC with uh, MGM Records. MGM, and wow. that album, by the way, was a pretty good album. It's called "How Do You Say I Don't Love You Anymore." Nice. And the album I did on my first record deal with ABC Paramount that was called "After the Lights Go Down Low" and much more. When I was on ABC Paramount, my first single came out and it was called "Slightly Out of Tune." And what it was, it was the it was the vocal version of an instrumental that had been a hit by Stan Getz, and that was called "Desafinado." And most people would remember that song because it was really a big, big hit on yeah. uh, uh, instrumental saxophone. And then, of course, uh, somebody wrote the lyrics, and I was I wasn't the only one to record it. Uh, Julie London recorded it. Ella Fitzgerald did it, uh, and I think a couple of other singers. Uh, then I recorded it as well, and then and then after right after I did that, that song as a single, they they said they wanted me to do an album, and they put me on their jazz label, and that was called Impulse. Mm. So I so my first recorded album was a jazz, a full out jazz uh, recording. Wow. One side was big band, the other side was was trio. Nice. Second album. Well actually my, my second album was done in Europe and it was in Stockholm, Sweden and it was called Frida Payne in Stockholm. And uh, that was in nineteen sixty five.
0: Do you have a fan base over there already? Is that why they recorded it over there nope. in Europe? No, nope, no.
1: Nope. I was I had no fan base over there. A promoter brought me over there a request and wanted me to he booked me. I guess he had seen me on uh, the Tonight Show. Uh, Jeffrey Patterson. He was an Australian. And he I guess he had seen me on the Tonight, because I'd been on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson several times. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I had a manager. Uh, his, his By that time, I had a manager. His name was Joe Scandori. And he had a nightclub in Brooklyn called The Elegante. As a matter of fact, I remember when I worked there, it was like a review. And on the show was the four tops. Oh wow. This was before, this was before they signed with Motown and had a hit. Sure. And also Flip Wilson worked that same club before he ever before he became a big name and had his own TV show. Nice. Um so anyway, I went on, I did a recording. Uh I went on, I was in Europe for about sick about 8 months in 1965. And then I did that album in Stockholm. And then when I came back to, to New York um, in 1966, I recorded the album on MGM Records. And then after that, I signed I signed with Invictus in 1968. And so during 1969, we started recording, and that's when Band of Gold came out. Was in 1970.
0: Wow. And that was on that album, uh, the Invictus album, or?
1: Invictus was uh, Band of Gold.
0: Yeah, yeah. That
1: was in that Band of Gold. And I was being produced by, um, and they ran the label, actually, it was their label, because they had left Motown, and that's Holland, Dozier, and Holland. Uh, Holland, Dozier, and Holland were the uh, were the main producers that actually put Motown on the map. Wow. Being that it was Brian and Eddie Holland and Lamont Dozier, and uh, they're the ones that that produced and wrote the major hits with Dinah Ross mm. on, uh, and also they they also produced and wrote the all the, uh, the the big the biggest hits that the Four Tops ever had. Oh well, wow. on Motown, on Motown, as well as Martha Reeves and. Uh, and the Vandellas as well. Oh, yeah.
0: Did they write Band of Gold, too?
1: They wrote Band of Gold, yeah. Wow. Now, here's the thing. Here's the catcher. If you get the... Like, if you have the record or if you get the sheet music, mm-hmm. it says "It says written music and, and lyrics by Ron Dunbar and Edith Wayne. They did not do it.
0: Well, how, how did that happen?
1: That happened because... When uh, they formed their own label called Invictus, uh, they left Motown under a cloud,
2: mm. and
1: they sued Motown. They they were suing Motown. Motown, in turn, uh, sued them back. <laughs> so because of the liti- because of the litigation, uh, they were their hands were tied. They weren't allowed to write. Sure, they could produce, but they could not write. Mm. So they just use other other people's names. Wow. Ron Dunbar, Ron, Ron Dunbar was real because he's the guy that worked with me a lot when, uh, you know, when it came to recording. He would pick, he's the one that picked me up and drove me to the studio and rehearsals and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Edith Wayne was an assumed name that was sort of made up.
0: Wow. Interesting. So that was it. That's very interesting. And did uh when you were recording that song, did you uh I'm always interested about this too, if you had an inkling like, wow, this is this is going to be a hit, I can feel it, or did you just think it was like another song on the album?
1: I thought it was another song on the album. Interesting. But I also I also felt that it was a strong song. Yeah. And that it was a good one, you know, a good strong track. But I didn't think it was any better than than a lot of the other songs I'd recorded.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to predict what the public is going to uh, fancy, you know. But uh, sometimes, yeah,
1: it, it's sort of like I've heard people say uh, there was some, like people. It's well known that Barry Gordy, when Marvin Gaye was uh, working on "What's Going On" that album. Uh, when he was ready, and you know, when they were reviewing it, yeah. you know, before anything, because that, whether they're going to release it or not, Barry didn't think that Barry didn't like the song at all, and he felt that it he he was uh, against even releasing it. Mm. But mm. look what happened! Yeah, it was yeah. a blockbuster. It became one of the biggest albums they one of the biggest albums on their roster.
0: Wow. Yeah, so you just, you
1: just don't know. You just don't know. You, know, for you sure. don't know.
0: Never do. Sometimes yeah.
1: you just got to throw it out there and see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened after, say, maybe a year or so after *Ban of Gold*? Did you feel that that classic pressure from the record company to produce another hit? I mean, um,
1: and they did. They yeah. did a year later. I came out. They gave me a song called "Bring the Boys Home."
0: Oh yes, I watched that on YouTube yesterday, and I was very impressed by that. It was uh, Vietnam. Yeah,
1: and that was that was my second gold record.
0: Wow, nice.
1: Yeah, that was Bonafide, and uh, that was a big hit as well. And uh, it was it had had a lot of uh, political impl- implications because of the Vietnam War. Sure, but to tell you the truth, I don't think it affected my career anymore. At all, but uh, it did. It did a little bit, but no, nothing bad.
0: Did you find, uh, you know, being a, a woman in the '60s and '70s? Did you find the male-dominated recording uh, industry? Did you did you, Did you find, you know, instances where that was uh, hard to deal with? I should say. It seems like it was kind of well, a b- boys' club a little bit. The the recording industry. Just,
1: yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, well, that kind of that's always existed. Yeah, and it's just you know part. That's part of life, and you just have to deal with it, and uh, and just to, you know just make sure you you know just make sure you're doing the right thing and right. and and not being really taken advantage of, but at least try to you know keep your dignity.
0: Yeah, of course. All right, so take me to about let's say two or three years after Band of Gold. What were you? Uh... Focusing on them, were you still with Invictus, or did you change to a different record label?
1: Um, I left Invictus because I Wound up suing them. Oh, really? And yeah, I sued Invictus in '71, and that's how I got to I got to come out here. Here being LA, and not that it was my first time. I'd been out here before. Yeah, but in '71, I came out here because I kind of like.
0: Were they not paying you uh, royalties properly? Is that what the deal yeah, was? Yeah,
1: right, right. You hit it on the head, right? Yeah. And uh, came out here, and I got a law firm uh, that represented me and O'Melveny and Myers. And uh, eventually, the uh, we settled. Eventually, we settled. And I then and I went back and did one last album for Invictus, and that was called Reaching Out.
0: Reaching Out, okay.
1: Yeah. Now I did other albums. I did my first album on Invictus was called Band of Gold. Sure. Then they put out another one. It was called The Best of Frida Payne. And then after that, I had another album that came out. It was called Contact. Now Contact got nominated twice. Wow. I got nominated for best female R&B vocalist. Nice. At the Grammys and I got nominated for best album.
0: Wow. I got to check that album um, out. Um
1: yeah, also I was uh when I did when Band of Gold became a hit, uh Vandagold I got, got nominated um uh, you know for best R&B female vocalist for um Vandagold. Sure. Then after that, when I finally left, I finally uh, left Invictus. I went to another label he, that was here called, it was on, the label was ABC. 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 I guess that would be Dunhill. But it was just called ABC, but it, it was real, you know, ABC Dunhill. Yeah. So they were out here, and I did two albums on that label. Nice. And the first one was called Pain and Pleasure. <laughs> and by the nice. way, that's Pain and Pleasure. And by the way, that was one, one a hell of an album. That's one of my favorites. And the second one was called Out of Pain Comes Love.
0: Ah, sweet.
1: And that was another one. And then after that, I left uh, ABC and then I got uh, signed to Capitol Records. And I was on Capitol for three years and I had three albums wow. Stairs and Whispers. Supernatural High and Red Hot.
0: Red Hot, nice. And were those albums kind of yeah. uh in the you know, seventies disco vein, or were they more your jazz? Yeah,
1: yeah, by that time, no, by that time it was disco. I mean I yeah. was doing like almost full out disco. Right, right. Stairs and Whispers was kind of full out disco and Supernatural High had was still sort of geared in that direction. Uh Red Hot was kind of middle of the road. And then that kind of, and then that was it with Capital. And then, of course, and then in the 80s, that's when I started doing a lot of theater, uh, like Duke Ellington's Sophisticated Ladies. I did several tours of that. I did the uh, Vegas Company, and then I did a company in Italy and a company in Norway. Uh, then I did a, a national company, and... Uh, yeah, so, and then I, of course, I did Jelly's Last Jam in the 90s. That was a hit on Broadway. Jelly's Last Jam with Maurice Hines, yeah. Savion, and Savion Glover.
0: When you got into the musicals and stuff, had you taken acting lessons, and, or did you just kind of use your natural stage presence from being a singer to kind no, of. No,
1: I, I did. I took some classes. I took some classes now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. I had some, I had some, um, work and I took classes Cool uh-huh
0: that's that's really amazing you had uh, all these Broadway credits uh, on top of your uh, professional singing career It seems like uh, you had quite a busy schedule then
1: <laughs> Yeah I did Hall Leah baby in the 60s I was Leslie Uggam's understudy and the only understudy to go on oh wow in her in the in the lead role I went on five times
0: That's great. Okay, so by now, you've been living in Los Angeles for quite a while, and uh, did you enjoy living in Los Angeles or having that as your home base while you're out touring with musicals?
1: I thought I was just going to come out here just to deal with that lawsuit, and what happened was I came out here, and then by 74, I bought a house, and that kind of anchored me. Yeah, sure. You know? Sure thing. And instead of just moving around, so I bought a house in 74, and I owned that house for like 38 years. Wow. And now I live in Encino, so, yeah. Where
0: where was your original house located?
1: Uh, It was located in the Hollywood Hills on a street called Blue Jay Way.
0: (laughs) I wonder if that's where George Harrison (laughs) wrote the song.
1: It is exactly the same street that George Harrison wrote the song about. They rented a house because I remember the first several years. I remember the sign, the street sign, that uh, people were somebody was always stealing the sign. <laughs> the whole day they would steal the sign, and then and then I remember they they started. Uh, putting the sign up real high and they put spikes around it <laughs> and eventually somebody still got it <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh wow so you lived on a very famous street originally that's interesting
1: very yeah cool. it was a very fa- it's still a famous street
0: yeah i can imagine i can imagine
1: yeah it really is
0: i understand you have a uh brand new uh music project coming out a new album with uh, some standards yes can you tell me about yeah, that a little standards.
1: bit Yes, um, it, this it started. We actually recorded this last year, and went into Capitol Records with Big Band. Uh, the band was Gordon Goodwin. Uh, he did all the arrangements, and uh, it's. Uh, we also put strings. We added strings later on. Uh, got uh, the producer, young man by the name of Rodrigo Rios, basically. Uh, you know, got me to do it. He said, hey, you know, I want you should do some duets, record these songs, and he, you know, sort of got this going. And then, of course, Michael Getz, you know who that is. I
0: sure do. Good friend of mine.
1: Michael is the executive producer. And then also, I'm also a uh, co-producer as well. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: When, uh... So we went
1: in the studio, recorded songs. I did duets with the one and only Johnny Mathis. Wow! And uh, we we did a song called "You Can't Take That Away From Me," which is a George Gershwin song. Oh yeah, George and Ira Gershwin. And then I did a duet with a, a lady that I have a great, the greatest respect for, as a jazz artist, and that is Miss Dee Dee Bridgewater. And um, we did two classic jazz tunes, uh, like a medley, and it's Moanin' and "Doodlin."
0: Oh yeah, Moanin' is a great song. I don't know the other one, but uh, yeah, those are great.
1: Bobby T. Yeah, Bobby Timmons, and John Hendricks, yeah. and then "Doodlin" is Horace Silver. Ah. And I understand John Hendricks did the lyrics, but and then we did. I did a duet with Kenny Lattimore. And it was a song that was originally done by Nat King Cole called "Let There Be Love." And then I did a duet with a really great uh, jazz male jazz vocalist, and his name is Kurt Elling. And our song, we did a song called "Our Love Is Here to Stay." Nice. Mm-hmm. Another standard. And then I did It's All Right With Me uh, by myself. And then we're still in the process of uh, I'm going to be recording some more tunes as well. Oh, it so looks... it can be, it'll be like about nine songs. All, you know, altogether, together it'll be nine songs.
0: I look forward to hearing all of those. Where uh, where can a listener um, eventually find that uh, album? Is it going to be on uh, streaming platforms? Well, like...
1: when it comes out, it'll probably be on Spotify, Amazon, you great, know. Great,
0: great, great. Excellent.
1: Wherever you, wherever you have to go to, to you know get an album.
0: So I understand mm-hmm. you have an interesting uh, Frank Sinatra story. Uh, if from uh, did you work with him or uh...
1: actually Frank? I got I got to know Frank Sinatra in the '60s, mm. and and I remember the first time I met him, it was because Quincy Jones had told him to come and check me out and to go and catch me and I I was I was singing, I had a gig here in LA and it was at a little jazz club that was located on La Cienega. it was right on the corner of La Cienega and Santa Monica Boulevard. Sure. I mean I'm talking about this is like nineteen sixty four. Yeah. It was nineteen sixty four and the club was called The Losers. And I'm sing matter of fact I was doing two gigs at the same time. I was working in a movie with Jerry Lewis.
0: Wait, what, what movie was that? What movie was that? Do you remember?
1: The Disorderly Orderly. <laughs> 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 the dis- I I watch it now, and it's so corny. <laughs> and he was such, he was hilarious. I can imagine. He was just hilarious. Oh, my God. I remember that was the first time I think I got laryngitis because, you know, I got tired. You know, it was my voice got tired. Sure. And uh, I'm working, you know, you're not getting enough sleep. Yeah. You know, you're working a, a night gig, and then you have to get up after three or four hours sleep and, you know, and go to... And and go to Paramount, and uh, and, and then you're there all, all day. You know what I mean? Oh so I yeah, was, yeah. I re- anyway, I was performing, and here I am performing in, in, in this little dark club, and it's small. And I see somebody strike a match, and the the light of the match kind of like it illuminated his face, like just for like two seconds. Yeah. But I could see. I could see it was him, Frank Sinatra, and my heart stopped.
0: <laughs>
1: my, and when I finished my set, the the owner of the club came over to me, and he said, "Come on, I want you to meet Frank. Frank Sinatra's here."
0: Yeah, you got to meet the chairman of the board.
1: Yeah, right. You know, and then he and then Frank's, you know, complimented me, and he said that Quincy had told him to come and, and catch my, you know, catch my show. So that was the first time I met him, and then after that, this was when uh, this was in Miami Beach. I was working in the lounge at the Fontainebleau Hotel, and of course, he would sometimes he would come down to the lounge with a bunch of guys, a bunch of people. Yeah, and you know, just sit around, have drinks, and and uh, and then he invited me up to his up to his penthouse. In the afternoon. This would be in the, the daytime, not the night. Yeah. He would invite me up just to hang out. Just
0: to hang out and have a drink or something, yeah?
1: Yeah, not you know, not even a used to hang just to be there. It was yeah. like I was like one of the one of the boys or something.
0: That's really cool.
1: And um it was nice. He just considered me a friend.
0: Yeah, yeah. He was good that way, I think. He really uh nurtured other performers and uh help them, or if he yeah, could, you know?
1: Yeah, he He, appre- I think he appreciated talent. Yes, exactly. Refer he referred to me as a good singer. He says, you're a good singer.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, and I was so proud of myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. That's really cool. And I understand, uh, was it around 2009, you appeared on American Idol, a TV show? You uh, performed uh, Band of Gold? How did they, yeah, today they they, uh, they, they called you on that, or?
1: Yeah, I had an agent named Steve Ford, and he also manages and books Thelma Houston. And he called me, and he said uh they're doing a segment where they're featuring disco artists, and they wanted me, Thelma, and Casey and the Sunshine Band. Nice. And that's how that that that's how that all came about.
0: Wow! And this is a big anniversary year for a Band of Gold. Um... Do you uh, you still get a lot of notoriety from that, or?
1: Um... Oh yeah. yeah, it's almost like it's like my moniker. It's like my ID, sure. Which I kind of it's it's a double edged sword. I kind of love and kind of hate.
0: I can imagine because <laughs> you you have so much more talent and much more uh, diversity than uh, that one song for sure. I mean, just looking at your uh, yeah
1: credits, yeah, is... and I kind of and I keep oh, and also. I do Ella Fitzgerald. my she was one of my favorite singers from the time I was twelve and I I portray Ella uh, on stage theatrically as an actress.
0: Oh, very cool and that's like a stage show with a re- review. It's
1: a, it's a play. it's a play. nice. Well it's called Ella Fitzgerald's First Lady of Song. And I portray Ella, you know, costumes, bat suit, and everything. <laughs> and there are other and there are other actors, you know. There's a, you know the actor portraying uh, her manager, yeah, and uh, and of course her sister and her cousin. I got rave reviews. I've done it three times. It's um, it was well received.
0: Is it something you do one night performances of, or is it more a sit down thing that sits at a theater for a while?
1: Well, it's a it's a it's at a at one theater. Yeah, and you're there. Let's say it's like a three week booking. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, I did it in new at a theater in New Brunswick, New Jersey called Cross It's a regional theater, and we were there for. I did a three week engagement, and then I did that was in two thousand and four, and then I did it ten years. Uh, later in 2014 at a theater in Alexandria, Virginia. And that was called Metro Stage. That was eight weeks. Wow. An eight-week run. And it was great. I I really loved it. And it was during the winter months, I remember. It was during the winter months because I started in December and we ended in March. And it, I mean, it was like talking about Well, then again, being from Detroit and having lived in New York, I was, you know, I I was I was no stranger to winter weather.
0: Sure, sure.
1: During that time, there were like about four major blizzards that happened, Uh, and then I just did it in two again in two thousand eighteen, and that was in Wilmington, Delaware, at the Delaware Theater, and that was a three-week run.
0: Nice, and that
1: was fabulous. That was fabulous.
0: Fridapain dot com listeners can. uh... Go see her. Yeah. See if that show is running. Or well,
1: yeah, they can see. Well, they can see where I'm going to be performing.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, sure. Um, and uh, you also worked with Eddie Murphy before in a um, his uh, comedy movie, Nutty Professor Two. Is that correct?
1: The cl- Nutty Professor, the Clumps.
0: The Clumps. Okay, yeah. What was that yeah. like? What <laughs> was that fun?
1: It was nice. It was like it was a. It was only a one day work, and it was like. Um, like a cameo role. Sure. You know, so, but I enjoyed working with him. I felt right at home.
0: Nice, nice.
1: I felt right. I said, this is where I'm supposed to be.
0: Yeah, that's always a nice feeling. Uh, I understand you dated Bill Withers at one point. Um...
1: Yes, I. They, Bill and I were friends, and we dated back in the, this was back in the 70s. Yeah. And, of course, this was before he got married. Yeah, yeah. And, um... Yes, he he was a he was a dear friend.
0: Yeah, quite a uh, quite a songwriter and performer. I uh, yeah.
1: quite quite a quite a man. Yeah, great a great a great, indi- a great individual and a, and a very gifted songwriter and singer.
0: What was it like w- working with uh, Quincy Jones?
1: Yeah, he's a great musician and uh, quite a colorful person. Uh, you know, I could you know he just he just to me he was a magnet. He just attracts. You know all the good stuff, and yeah, yeah. You know he's classy guy too. Yeah, classy guy, class act.
0: Is it true you've done like twenty five albums? Is that a correct statement?
1: It's a little. I think it. I mean, if you want to add the comp like uh, albums that have been
0: compiled uh, or greatest hits compiled
1: or whatever. Um. I guess that might be right, you know, but... Uh, oh,
0: and now I understand uh, you're working on a uh, autobiography book with an author.
1: Uh, yes, I am. I'm working on, a, on my memoirs, autobiography. I'm working with a guy named Mark Beagle.
0: Nice. Is going to have any uh, salacious stuff in there, or is it going to be more uh, <laughs> traditional uh, autobiography?
1: Well, you know, it's going to... They're all traditional, except that some people tell more than others. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I guess what I'm asking is, how, how much are you going to tell?
1: <laughs> well, that's to be, you to know, be that's something that I have to think about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you want to be classy about it, of course. I was just curious. And
1: then you don't want to, and then also, this, this also encompasses... What do you want to tell about other folks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's not so much me, but it's like, you know, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did that? <laughs>
0: Whoa. Uh, <laughs> hey, have you written any of your own songs, Frida? Is that something that interests you at all? or?
1: Well, I would have to say not really. Uh, but I did write, I think I wrote a song on my Christmas album. Oh nice. Um, um I'm not bragging about it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but but it's... Uh, I'm not I don't think I have my sister has more of that ability than I do.
0: Sure, sure.
1: Sherry is a writer, she's a writer from the heart, I mean, you know.
0: Right. She uh she toured with the Supremes for a while too, right?
1: Yeah, she was a Supreme. She was a Supreme, right, right. Yeah, she had a signed contract with Motown as a Supreme. She was signed as a lead singer to replacing Jean Jarrell. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm.
0: She lives out here in Los Angeles right. too, right?
1: Yeah, she lives here. She lives right in Sherman Oaks.
0: Very nice. How, how are you both dealing with this uh, COVID-19 situation? Are you getting anxious like me to go back to normal? Honey,
1: you said it. <laughs> and, you know what it is, it's like... It's making me lazy.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You yeah. know, it's like, what are you doing today? Nothing. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to Gelson's. And uh, then the next day, what are you doing? Oh, I think I'll go to Costco. Right, right. And then the it, not my refrigerator is so full, that my freezer is so full <laughs> <I'm> buying stuff. <laughs> And I got an, I got enough toilet paper for the rest of the year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of unprecedented with what to do with all this time for sure it's just And like... the
1: thing is that they've cut out everything you say, well oh, well, I guess I'll just go to the gym or I'll just go to the park. They cut all that out.
0: Yeah, I guess I'll go to the beach. nope can't do that either. Nope yeah
1: you can't come on. I mean it's sort of like it's sort of like you're on a house arrest. I mean really yeah, literally. yeah yeah except that you can walk in your take walks
0: yeah that's nice I, i've been doing take that walks i've been doing that riding, yeah riding my bicycle too that's good stuff
1: mm-hmm. and i got a doggie now so i can take my doggie oh wow
0: nice what kind of doggie you got
1: i have a maltese
0: oh sweet i love little malteses what's its name his name is teddy hey teddy well frida i really really uh appreciate you coming on today i um we look forward to seeing your uh, new album and find out about it at com and also her current performing schedule. Once, of course, we can all be out in the performing again, that would be great.
1: Right, and, right. Uh, well, this is a good time to think of new new um, projects and stuff like that. Too. Yeah,
0: that's what I've, all I've been doing is writing new songs and uh, trying to record mm-hmm. some stuff and just keep as busy as possible. Otherwise, you go crazy, right?
1: Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. But anyway, it'll be okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. You know, like and there and the scientists and doctors are diligently working towards developing a vaccine. And yes. I think they really, you know, want to get that uh, want to get that accomplished. So I'm hoping and praying that that happens.
0: Yes, me too. Me too.
1: <laughs>
0: well, again, thank you. It's quite an honor to have you on the show, and uh, I look forward to hanging out with you and Michael sometime. That would be great.
1: Okay, that would be great. Let's do that.
0: Sounds good for you. Okay. You take, you take good care.
1: All right, you too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: There you have it, ladies and gents, Miss Frida Payne. Make sure you check out com for her upcoming appearances and that upcoming album that's going to be out soon. Jeez, uh, I just want to wish everybody a great May. This is John Mueller with Your Buddy John Show. Please take good, good care and we'll see you on down the line.